sudden growl and flings the book away from her. It hits the grass with a subdued thud, its pages fluttering closed. There it lies, surrounded by grass. She gets to her feet. She doesn't do it as anybody else would, gradually moving from sitting to standing. She leaps, she starts, she bounds. She seems to stamp on the soil as she rises, as if, like Rumpelstiltskin, she would crack it open. Standing, she is at once confronted by the sight of a farmer in the lane, driving a flock of sheep, a switch in one hand, a dog darting about him. These sheep encapsulate what she hates about her home, their shredded, filthy backsides, their numb-faced stupidity, their witless bleating. She would like to drive them all into a threshing machine, over the cliff, anything, just to rid herself of the sight. She turns away from the sheep, away from the house. She keeps only the sea in her sights. She has had a creeping fear of late that what she wants most, for her life to begin to take on some meaning, to turn from blurred monochrome into glorious technicolour, may pass her by. That she might not recognise it if it comes her way, might fail to grasp for it. She is closing her eyes to the sea to the presence of the cast-aside book, when there is the sound of feet thudding through grass and a voice saying, Sandra! She snaps upright as if she has received an electric shock. Alexandra, she corrects. This is her name, given to her at birth, but her mother later decided she didn't like it and shortened it to its final syllables. Alexandra, the child repeats obediently. Mother says, what are you doing and will you come in and... Away! Alexandra screams, go away! And she returns crossly to her stump, to the book, to her analysis of death and its needless pride. At the exact same moment, half a mile away, Innes Kent, age 34, art dealer, journalist, critic, self-confessed hedonist, is kneeling on the dirt to examine the underside of his car. He has no idea what he's looking for, but feels that he ought to look anyway. He is ever the optimist. The car is a silver and ice blue MG. Innes loves it, more than almost anything else in the world, and it has just ground to a standstill at the side of this country lane. He straightens up, and he does what he does in most situations that frustrate him. He lights a cigarette. He gives the wheel an experimental kick, then regrets it. Innes has been in St. Ives, visiting the studio of an artist whose work he'd been hoping to buy. He had found the artist rather drunk and the work far from completion. The whole excursion has been a raging disaster. And now this. He grinds his cigarette underfoot, then sets off down the lane. He can see a cluster of houses ahead, the curved wall of a harbour reaching out into the sea. Someone will know the whereabouts of a garage if they have garages in this godforsaken place. Alexandra does not, cannot, know the proximity of Innes Kent. She doesn't know that he's coming, getting ever closer with every passing second, walking in his handmade shoes along the roads that separate them, the distance between them shrinking with every well-shod step. Life, as she will know it, is about to begin, but she is absorbed, finally, in her reading, 
in a long-dead man's struggle with mortality. As Innes Kent turns into her road, Alexandra raises her head. She places the book on the ground again, this time more gently, and stretches, her arms held high. She twirls a strand of hair between finger and thumb, hooks a daisy between her toes and plucks it. She has always had gymnastic joints. It is something of which she is rather proud. She does this again and again until all eight gaps between her toes hold the frank yellow eye of a daisy. Innes comes to a halt beside a gap in a thick hedge. He peers through. A pretty sort of country house with bushes, grass, flowers, that kind of thing. A garden, he supposes. Then he sees close by, seated under a tree, a woman. Innes's interest never fails to be piqued by the proximity of a woman.